Good morning, everyone. Welcome. All right, so this is our family Sunday this morning. And I'm going to have Pastor Steve come up just to kind of give us some instruction. And we're not starting the intro video over again. But just going to give us some instruction for how we are going to do things this morning. So Family Sunday, uh, we've got kids in here. Um, that gives our kids workers a break. And we hope that we have an, uh, we're going to be moving and doing some things. we got somebody different preaching this morning, so things will look a little bit differently. But we encourage you to just sit together as a family and, uh, yeah. Are you ready for worship? All right, well, let's go. Place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond, and just when. So long to my old friends, burning and bitterness. You can just keep them moving. No, you ain't welcome here. From now till I walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This way was
Yeah.
prodigal son that when he turned around to come back home, father runs and meets him on the road. <laughs> he didn't even have to get all the way back home. I think of uh, Charles Spurgeon. I, 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 120 years ago, he was a preacher, and he and he preached a sermon called "The Hound of Heaven," and it came from Psalm 139. And Psalm 139 talks about all of the places that wherever we go, we can never get away from God's love for us. And he said he's like a hound that comes after us, that that comes after the the hare that even tries to get away from your love, from his love, and that hound of heaven chases after us comes after us we don't have to be in a we don't have to put ourselves even in a position it said just stop turn around turn around that's what repentance is just turn around turn around amen god is awesome y'all be seated do you appreciate this worship team yeah and i do this is a great combination this morning. So um, you can start moving, Logan, if you want to. So, um, Well, we're going to take a break, but two, two announcements. One is that next Sunday is start here. So if you'd like to be a part of what's going on here or you, if you just want to know what's going on, even if you've been here a long time, but you've but you've never been through like an orientation and, and know about what goes on behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. In fact, to be, to do any um, service here uh, in that we do in the building to work in any departments or work with anything, we, we desire that you take part and start here. So that's immediately after church next Sunday, we'll have, we'll have lunch and we'll have a little bit of time. So, Next Sunday, right after church, uh, we'll take care of you with a meal and all that, and it'll only take about an hour and a half. Then the second announcement is that this week is the beginning of our service opportunity for June where we serve at the food pantry. The The local food pantry for this area is God and People's Pantry. And so Saturday, about 9 o'clock, we will get together, and you'll be through by about noon. Uh, and... But on Friday, twice through this month, so the Friday right before Saturday, I, I mean, I don't know about anybody else's calendar. That has work, that's how it works on mine. Is this, this coming Friday at 8 in the morning, it, um, we're asking, you, you have to have a back because you have to be able to move a few boxes around, just a few feet, because we do it most everything with the pallet, but we're going to unload the food pantry truck. The uh, food bank sends sends food and we all have several pallets that we got to unload but we are we're all set up for that but if we could have some usually guys help with that so friday morning at eight o'clock and it should be there around 8 15 but we try to be there at eight so that's two service opportunities that you have this week and so if you can't be there on saturday maybe you can help on friday to get those things unloaded i want you to take five and come right back in here, and I'll start hollering a, a few minutes before that, and because we're going to have a word and, from Logan this morning, and he wanted he needs five minutes to prepare. So, y'all, uh, only five minutes though, and he'll be ready to go. So, uh, go get you some coffee and a donut, and come right back. One, two, three, break.
Everybody, hey, you guys on the front, are y'all ready? All right. Uh, Logan's going to be talking to y'all this morning. Just for y'all, all right? June, we're glad you're here, but don't overdo it, all right? He got, when was your surgery? Barb knows. <laughs> okay, all right, three weeks ago. Well, we're glad you're here. Glad you're doing so well. So, um, are you ready for a word this morning? I believe it's a, it's a word from the Lord, and so... Logan, you ready? I think so. All right, take it away. All right, well, glad you're here this morning. I'm glad it's Family Sunday. It makes a whole lot of sense uh, that we've got youngins in the room with us uh, because the uh, I'm going to try to communicate something really deep to you guys, but I'm going to use something really uh, conceivably shallow to do it. Um, and so... Uh, Jeff, do we have the, like a slide of just the main character here? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not the main character. There we go. Who can tell me who this is? That's Woody. Good job. (laughs) On top of it. Bryce on top of it. So that's Woody. Where do we recognize Woody from? Toy Story. Perfect. Exactly, Joe. Thank you. So if I were to tell you that Woody has a whole lot of things to teach us about a life lived serving Jesus, you guys would definitely see that, and I've got a short message ahead, right? Okay, so before we get too, too far into it, I won't let y'all get too hung up on using a Disney movie to try to teach y'all something about Jesus. Uh, if you can turn with me to Ephesians 1, we're going to be in verse 3 is where we're going to start off, and we're going to read all the way through verse 10, so it's a pretty decent chunk of text, but uh, hang on, I'll try to get through it. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Capital B there means Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Uh, So it's a lot of of information being dumped on us by, by Paul right there. And it sounds, it sounds like the same kind of phrasing over and over, in Christ, through Jesus Christ, blessed in the beloved, uh, all wisdom and insight according to his purpose, which set forth in Christ. But it's a really long way of saying, like, we have been selected by God before time to exist in relationship with God through what Jesus did for us. So Jesus was the way by which we have been joined to God the way we have always been meant to be. So what does that have to do 
with Woody in Toy Story. And before, before I get too far, I just talked to Jeff upstairs about this a minute ago. Please don't read too far into the analogy that I'm trying to make, because we know that, that Woody is a toy that belongs to a little boy named Andy, and if you think too hard about it, you can think, well, is he trying to say, like, we're, like God is a child and we're his toys, and we're, and, you know, when, when Woody doesn't belong to Andy anymore, now he belongs to Bonnie. Is that like multiple gods or, no, do not, yeah, Andy grows up and they go to live with Bonnie. It's, you guys are awesome. I'm so glad y'all are in here. Uh, the adults are all, it's been a while since you guys have had to watch these movies, I think, but I'm a parent now. All four Toy Story movies are in our regular family rotation. They didn't matter as much to me until I got a little older and God kind of flipped a switch for me. But um, So don't get too hung up on the, different, the way the analogy could get weird. Don't do that. Um, Woody, the main reason is that Woody lives his life according to one central truth. His central truth is that A toy's purpose is to be there for a kid. And he's really hung up on it being Andy in the first three movies. Um, He has to grow out of that a little bit. But what I'm trying to explain is that Ephesians 1, 3 through 10 is the central truth that we as Christians live our life by. That since the beginning of time, since creation, we were created to exist in relationship with God and Jesus and everything he did. And there's, there's a drop down when we click Jesus of all the different things that Jesus did. And there's all sorts of different creeds around Jesus. But the central truth, here, let me get a drink real fast. My bad, guys. The central truth is that we were created for relationship with God through Jesus. What does that mean? You know, how, how does Woody live his life around the central truth of being there for a kid the way that we should live our lives around knowing that we are created for a relationship with God through Jesus? I will uh, try to explain that. I'm going to synapsize these movies as briefly as I can. Um, just for some of you guys who missed the children's movie train by the time these were coming out, I'll try to catch you guys along. So... We start in Toy Story 1. Um, it's just called Toy Story. They didn't know there were going to be multiple ones. So, Well, I hope you change your mind about that, Claire. Um, so we've got Woody is the main character of these movies. When the first one starts, he's... Okay. When the movie starts, um, he's kind of the head honcho. He's the favorite toy. And I'm not going to get into all the weirdness of that, like... We're all God's favorite toy. That's not what I'm doing today. But So Woody is the favorite toy, and he kind of can, controls is a weird word, but he, he sets the tone of playtime in Andy's bedroom. All the other toys kind of look to him, and Andy's playing, and so he, he's kind of the guy. And he, I'm sure um, there's something intrinsic about Woody that made him the guy that Andy was drawn to Woody. Um, he's a cowboy, he's not up there anymore, but he's a cowboy, he's got a cool cowboy hat, little boys love cowboys, uh, or they did back in 1995, but, and so uh, it's Andy's birthday, there's always a little bit of anxiety surrounding Andy's birthday, because that means new toys, how are these new toys going to fit into playtime, you know, how is that going to affect, you know, everybody's kind of circulation, all the toys kind of need to get played with, and so it's kind of a logistical thing around birthday time. 
um, this iconic scene of the, the little green army men dropping down with the baby monitor and they set the baby monitor up so they can kind of do surveillance on the birthday party and see what toys are coming in. And our conflict comes up when Andy receives a Buzz Lightyear action figure for his birthday. And when I was growing up, Buzz was the dude. Like, I did not care about Woody in these movies until the fourth one came out and the Lord showed me all these different things about Woody. And, um, but Buzz was the dude. And so um, the weird thing about Buzz, though, is that fresh out of the box, he is convinced that he is a space ranger. He is Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. He is on a mission to uncharted space. He's in the bedroom. He's a little bit freaked out, trying to figure out where he is. Everybody's trying to welcome him, and it's kind of weird, but they're kind of like, everybody else is kind of like, okay, yeah, he kind of thinks he's a space ranger. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's this point where the to- when the toy kind of wakes up or whatever, which... I won't even get into that. Um, There's a weirdness about, like, the toys that kind of remember their identity or whatever intellectual property they're based on. Um, When do they wake up? Because there's some of them that are, like, awake inside the box. And I'm like, how weird does that have to be? Um, Anyway, so Buzz thinks he's a space ranger. Everybody else is kind of like, oh, he'll figure it out. But Woody is very hung up on the fact that Buzz does not realize he is a toy. Because... His identity so far is wrapped up in being Andy's favorite toy. He runs the bedroom, he's got the sheriff badge and everything. And so the fact that Buzz doesn't, not only doesn't realize he's a toy, but pretty soon he becomes the favorite toy. Buzz is the new favorite toy, and Woody is still hung up on Buzz not realizing he's a toy. You know, and as an adult, it's recognizable to look at Woody, and yeah, he's hung up on Buzz not thinking he's a toy, but he's also hung up on the fact that he's not the favorite toy anymore. And so the frustration kind of boils up, like he doesn't even get it. (laughs) He doesn't even understand what it means to be the favorite toy. He's not doing playtime right. He doesn't even, there's, you've got the Tom Hanks' iconic, you are a toy! (laughs) And that doesn't work. Uh, Any any attempt that Woody makes to convince Buzz that he's, he's not a space ranger, he's a toy, just completely flies over Buzz's head. And there's a mix-up when they go to Pizza Planet. They wind up in the wrong truck. They end up at Sid's house. Sid is this twisted boy, just a little bit older than Andy, but he's like chopping toys up and gluing them together different ways, and he's blowing them up with fire. He's a boy. Um, and so he blows up a combat Carl with a firecracker. And so they wind up at Sid's house, which happens to be next door to Andy's house. So their whole journey is trying to get back to Andy's house, but they end up at Sid's house, which is close, but it's not Andy's house. And it's just about the worst place you want to be if you're a toy. So Buzz is like, this is no big deal. I am a space ranger. I'm going to get us out of here and you've got the, oh, I can't remember who does all the music for Toy Story. you got a friend in me. It's that guy. But he's singing this song, and he goes, I can't fly. And then he, to infinity and beyond, and he jumps off the stairwell. And you guys are all seeing this as I'm describing it, right? Okay. Some of you guys, I see Jen and I, I my millennials will, will rock with me. But that's exactly right, Havoc. So... But he, because he is a toy and not a space ranger, 
he falls. And he breaks, his arm breaks off, uh, and there's a, there's a very sad existential moment for Buzz where he realizes, like, I am not a space ranger, I am a toy. And that is a massive crash, figuratively as well as literally, for Buzz. A lot of disappointment that he has to deal with by just being a toy. And getting to this point and realizing that he's at this point is what enables Woody to finally get to him, like, hey, I know that you're really disappointed and upset about being a toy, but they're, the kid next door thinks that you are the coolest toy in the world. And so that, the compassion that flips on for Woody when he realizes, like, oh, it's a big disappointment for Buzz to be a toy, instead of shouting, you are a toy, you are a child's plaything, there's, there's an appeal that he's able to make to Buzz that says, hey, no, being a toy is great, <laughs> because this, and Andy is next door. And so that invigorates Buzz. Buzz Buzz is able to see in Woody what that means. Like, oh, I've been missing it this whole time, and Woody's been trying to explain to me how amazing a concept this is. And so Buzz is strapped to a rocket. He's supposed to be blown up. They use the rocket to get on the RC car, get back to the moon. Oh, Andy's moving. That's the whole, so they have to get to the ha- back to the house before they move, but they miss it, and so now they've got to get to the moving truck. It's incredible. Um, but the point is, now they're friends. Buzz finally understands his identity and what that means, and so he understands like his role in, the, in playtime, his role in Andy's room. And so by, by the time we get to the second movie, everything's great. Like, they're in the new house, things are going well. At the end of the first movie, you, they get a puppy. And by the second movie, like, Woody and the puppy are best friends. And they, he, it's, it's incredible. So, second movie, things are going well. Uh, but Andy is a little bit too rough with Woody during playtime. And, his, like, the corner of his arm rips. And Woody starts freaking out because Woody has a thing, like, a severe anxiety about no longer being useful to Andy. That's exactly right. He gets ripped, and Mom puts him on the top shelf. Andy's trying to go to cowboy camp. Woody was supposed to go with Andy to cowboy camp. Now he can't. So Mom puts him on the shelf where he finds Wheezy, the penguin squeaker that doesn't have a squeaker anymore. So he's on the shelf. He's kind of useless. And so Woody has all these crazy dreams about Andy not wanting to play with him anymore. And and, uh, while the mom is grabbing things for a garage sale because she's going to have a garage sale while her kids are at camp. Um, So Wheezy gets grabbed and put in the garage sale box and Woody is freaking out like, oh, if that can happen to Wheezy, that can happen to me. I got to go save Wheezy. And so he rides the dog down the stairs. um, But because the toys have this thing where they can't move when people are watching them, he kind of has to go ragdoll when he gets down to the garage sale table. And the problem with that is that there is a guy patrolling this garage sale. Uh, he owns a toy store. He sees Woody, and he discovers that Woody is actually a priceless collectible from the 1960s based on a TV show called Woody's Roundup. And I said this earlier. Some toys kind of have a memory of what their IP is based on. It's really strange to me that Woody is not at least generally aware that he is from an old-timey puppet cartoon. Like... Um, at what point does he abandon his previous identity to... Anyway, um, that's always weirded me out. Buzz remembers where he came from, Woody doesn't. Um, 
But so this, the guy offers to buy the doll and Andy's mom's like, oh, I don't even know how that got down here. Like, that's a very important toy to my son. You, it's not for sale. And so he steals Woody. And the other toys are freaking out like, oh, he stole Woody. And so the other toys have to band together to go save Woody from the toy. The guy owns a toy store, um, lives in an apartment across the street. And so they're figuring out how to cross the street. And the scene with the traffic cones is incredible. Um, <laughs> But while Woody is in the care of this guy and he wants to sell him to a toy museum in Japan, he has a complete set of Woody's Roundup dolls. He's got Woody, Jesse, uh, Bullseye the Horse, and Stinky Pete the Prospector. Um, and Stinky Pete the Prospector is still in the box. He's mint in the box, never been opened. It's a big deal. It's crazy that all these toys are in such good condition. He hires a guy to come and fix Woody's arm and refurbish him. It's probably the most satisfying scene in any kind of movie ever. The scene where the guy like fixes Woody, but then he paints over the bottom of Woody's shoe. And, and all, the bottom of, of these toys' feet all say Andy. The, all these toys belong to Andy. His name is written on the bottom of the shoe. When I was a kid, back in like 2002, 2003, all the kids' pastors were like, God's name is written on the bottom of your foot. Um, but <laughs> and so he, he paints over Andy's name on Woody's shoe, and that's kind of this sim- symbol of Woody kind of realizing and accepting and kind of being excited that he's this... He was the main character of this phenomenal kids' TV show, and he's about to be sold for millions of dollars to a toy museum in Japan, and kids from all over the world are going to come and be able to enjoy him forever. And Woody's like, you know, that doesn't sound so bad. And Jessie, the, the cowgirl doll, she, uh, she also used to have a kid. I mean, she tells us her story, and um, her kid kind of grows up, outgrows her toys, and she gets left. Um, and so she has an abandonment concept where like, why would I want to go back to a kid when Stinky Pete's telling me we're going to go be enjoyed in this museum forever? And Woody kind of comes around and he gets it. He's like, okay, that makes sense. At some point, Andy's going to grow up and I won't have anything else to do. This is my best option. I will be appreciated for what I am the most if I do this. And it's only when Buzz and the rest of the toys come back and they break into the guy's apartment. You know, it's a showdown between Andy's toys and these other toys. Um, and Buzz has to come back and tell Woody, like, hey, you are a toy. He's, it's this script flipping where Buzz is now having to convince Woody of his identity. Like, hey, remember when you were telling me there's a kid who thinks you're the coolest toy around and all this stuff? And Woody's... You know, until when? Woody is fully aware that at some point, either he's going to break, he's going to get ripped, and he's going to grow up. Somehow, he's not going to be the guy anymore. And he, he doesn't really want to deal with that, and so this is the best course of, course of action. And it, you know, a light kind of has to flip on for him, and he realizes, oh, wait, no. That, like, Buzz is right, and so he's He's shouting down the vent, like, Buzz, come back. And he's telling everybody, like, you guys come with me. We can all be Andy's toys. Like, things can be good. Jesse and Bullseye are, like, on board. Let's do it. But Stinky Pete, his true colors come out, and we realize, oh, Stinky Pete's actually really upset about being in the box this whole time. And we find out he's not mentioned the box. Stinky Pete's box opens, and he makes some 
hard stuff happen behind the scenes, Stinky Pete is the villain of this movie. He's in the box, and he's, it's Kelsey Grammer, and he does such a great job, like, making, like, it's Frasier. Frasier is telling us, like, we're going to be in this museum, and everything's going to be okay. But his true colors come out, and he talks about how when the Spaceman toys started coming out, he had to watch every Spaceman toy fly off the shelf. He watched every Woody, every Jesse, every Bullseye get bought, and because he's Stinky Pete the Prospector, kids don't want him. And so that, that kind of creates a bitterness in him, where oh, I'm not the main character, but now I'm in a position where I'm in control of our situation and I can convince everybody that this is the right way to go. And so um, he asks, Steph and Suze, they get to the airport, very iconic scene, with hanging off the plane. Um, but he gives Stinky Pete a chance, like, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. You can come with us. And he says, no, Dime Store Doll is going to mess it up for me this time. He is so twisted that he can't understand that life with Andy is even temporary is better than sitting on a shelf he never had a kid he became jaded entitled and he sold out to the wrong truth that he's more valuable as a collector's piece in a museum than as a toy he ends up um, falling out of the luggage case at the airport he ends up in the possession of a little girl who likes to draw on her toys put stickers on her toys and he's freaking out because he's been mint this whole time and he'll never be enjoyed the right way now and um, that's how the second movie ends. Uh, Jesse and Bullseye get to come live with Andy um, you know kind of, the family's kind of growing and it's, it's a really good feeling and then that's the end of Toy Story 2. Between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3 uh, there's an 8 to 10 year gap um, Bo Peep, The Lamp the porcelain lamp decoration gets given away at some point. So between two and three, we know Bo Peep is gone. Most of the toys have kind of been divvied out. Andy is getting ready to graduate high school and move off to college, and the toys are kind of wondering what's going on now. And so every the thing that Woody was so hung up on happening is at the front door. It's about to happen, and it's like, okay, we, we kind of knew this was all coming, and so they're getting ready to go into the attic. We're like, everything's going to be okay. We're going to stay together. And at some point, things are going to work out. We'll be here when Andy has kids, maybe. Um, but nobody really wants to think about, like, what if we just need to go somewhere else? Um, and there's a misunderstanding with a trash bag. And Andy puts all the toys in a trash bag. So they think, oh, they're getting thrown away. But Andy's just a teenage boy. Um, I've, I'm nearly 30 now, but I was a teenage boy not too long ago. And I, like, if I have to clean stuff, I'm going to throw it in a trash bag and set it somewhere and probably never touch it again. And so it's, a, it's in a trash bag sitting by the attic door. He's got the attic pulled down. He has to go do something. The mom comes by and she's like, oh, it's a trash bag. And she takes it down to the trash. And the toys are freaking out like Andy's throwing us away. And Woody, who got set in the college box, because Woody gets to go to college with Andy because he's that special, um, Woody knows that, oh, no, this is a misunderstanding. You guys aren't, he wasn't throwing you guys away. He was going to go put you guys in the attic in a trash bag. Um, and so at some point, they get out of the trash bag. The mom finds them, puts them in a box, and they are donated to Sunnyside Daycare. And so um, they get to the daycare, and they find out, oh, things are, like, there's tons of kids that come through here every day. We're going to get played with every single day by a new batch of kids every day, every year, and things are going to go really well for us. Um, it is 
Uh, it's all headed up by, uh, do we have Lotso, Lotso Hug and Bear? We got Lotso Hug and Bear, uh, and he's, he kind of runs the daycare. He, um, he controls kind of where each toy goes because there's several different rooms at this daycare divided up by age groups. And so we'll get there, Claire. Um, so he's, he kind of controls, controls the show. You can see Woody's not so sure about it. Buzz is excited. Jesse's excited. Rex, you've got a Ken doll voiced by the incomparable Michael Keaton over here. Absolutely incredible. But Woody is convinced that, no, we don't actually belong here. I've got to do everything I can do to get us back to Andy because Woody is still hung up on Andy being the be-all, end-all. And so Woody ends up trying to leave, ends up at a little girl named Bonnie's house, got to get from Bonnie's house back to the daycare. Bonnie's mom runs the daycare. You, kinda, you have to think about the way everything connects because it's like, how is a toy supposed to get miles across town? It's crazy. Um, but he finds out that Lotso also had a kid. And so we had Stinky Pete in the last movie who never had a kid, doesn't understand what it means to be a child's toy. And Lotso does. Lotso had the best kid, but he got forgotten. So it's a little girl left her toy at the park. Um, and when he finally makes his way home, he discovers that the parents bought a new, just bought the girl a new Lotso hug and bear. So he was replaced. Uh, he got forgotten and replaced, and he became controlling and manipulative. And so he decides how playtime works now. He, and so Andy's toys have to go to the Caterpillar room with all the little kids where they're, they get played with too rough. They're not age-appropriate toys for those kids. But Lotso controls the show, and Lotso says, no, you get played with how I say you get played with. When, by who I say gets to play with you. You, you got to pay your dues before you get to come to the butterfly room with the older kids and really get to enjoy your time here. And so he's sold out to the wrong truth that as long as he's in control, he can be happy, that nothing bad can happen to him. He's running the show. And so Woody has to come back, can, just tell him like, hey, I know what your deal is. I know that you got hurt, you got forgotten, and that really messed up a lot of stuff for you. But this isn't the way it needs to be. Um, they wind up at the dump, which is a really um, poignant thing as toys are, you know, that's Lotso's thing. Like, you're just going to get beaten up by these kids, and eventually you're going to be so worn out, you're just going to get thrown away. Um, and he says, where's your kid now, Sheriff, when they're in the, in the shredder incinerator thing? And they get saved by the claw. And um, I mean, the symmetry in all these movies is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> these movies have been out for years. If you haven't seen these movies, you're not going to. Um, and so they, they get out of the dump and they get back to Andy's house. Just against all odds, they get back to Andy's house and Andy realizes like, hey, it's time for me to move on. He boxes all of his toys up and he gives them to that little girl, Bonnie. He teaches them what each one of them is, and even as an 18-year-old getting ready to go off to college, he still knows each and every one of those toys, who they are in the game, what their role is, and he teaches all this stuff to Bonnie, and then Bonnie takes the toys on, and the, they become Bonnie's toys. And that's the end of Toy Story 3. By, so Toy Story 4 just came out in 2019, which is four years ago, but they have, the years have been flying by, so it doesn't seem like that long ago. Um, Toy Story 4, we start with a, 
a flashback of how Bo Peep, the lamp ornament, got given away and where she was between two and three. So she's been given to several different families, finally decides I'm not going to be a baby lamp for the rest of my life. And she takes her sheep and she's a lost toy. And she's, you know, she's riding with carnivals to different playgrounds and kids are playing with her and she's having the time of her life. Um, Woody, on the other hand, has become significantly less important to Bonnie as time has gone on. Um, we, at least a year or so has gone by, Bonnie's getting ready to start school and Woody's just not that important to her. He's, obvi- he's uh, often getting left in the closet during playtime. Uh, Jesse kind of takes on the, the sheriff role uh, because the little girl is going to have a cowgirl as the main person instead of the cowboy. That makes sense. But Woody is kind of in this weird spot where he knows he's not in charge of the room. Dolly is in charge of the room. Um, and he's cool with that. He's cool playing second fiddle to Dolly. But now he's not even really playing second fiddle to Dolly because he's not doing anything. He sits in the closet with all the old toys that Bonnie doesn't really play with anymore. And so he kind of gets to where he doesn't feel important, so he starts inserting himself into situations that he probably doesn't need to insert himself into. Uh, Bonnie's going to an orientation for her uh, kindergarten, and Woody's like, oh, maybe a toy should go with her. And Dolly says, no, if she takes a toy to school, she might get in trouble. So we need to, I mean, and that makes sense. Like, Woody, we get it. We sympathize. You got to take a step back. Woody does not take a step back. He hides in Bonnie's backpack, and he ends up at kindergarten. And while Bonnie's at kindergarten, he realizes, oh, she really is anxious, shy, nervous. So it's good that he came. And he sees Bonnie make a toy. And the toy's name is Forky. And he is a spork with pipe cleaner arms and popsicle stick legs and googly eyes. Um, and this is another weird thing about like how the, the laws of this universe work. Like... What made what brought him to life? Was it the googly eyes? Was it the fact that he was anthropomorphized into a vaguely human shape with arms and legs? Very strange to me. But the it's kind of a flashback to Toy Story 1, except now Woody has the experience with Buzz where he can say, okay, I know exactly what needs to be done. Forky doesn't realize that he's a toy and that he's the favorite toy now. Um, he thinks he's trash. I'm, a, I'm for soup or chili, and then you throw me away. <laughs> like, I'm trash. He, do, he doesn't want to be a toy. He keeps trying to throw himself away or throw himself out the window of the RV that they're doing their road trip on. But Woody is so, like, hung up on, okay, this is exactly what happened with Buzz. I can do this again. Except it's not exactly what happened with Buzz. It's a whole different thing where... It's not that he just thinks he's something else. It's that he, he actively doesn't want to be the thing that he is. And so he, he jumps out the window. They're in the middle of nowhere on a road trip. Woody goes, okay, I've got to do what I do, and I've got to go save him now. They wind up, you know, in this end. Uh, they go to the carnival that they're driving their RV to. They wind up at the carnival, and on their way to the RV, Woody gets distracted by an antique store window where he sees Bo Peep's lamp and sheep. And so he thinks, oh, that's Bo Peep's lamp. I wonder if Bo Peep... Because Bo Peep is Woody's love interest. It's not very, like, heavy until the last few minutes of the last one, but, like, they're kind of coupled up. Um, And so he's like, oh, that's Bo Peep's lamp. I wonder if she's in there. And so she gets... um, 
he, he gets distracted, goes into the antique store, and he encounters a doll named Gabby Gabby. Um, and she is kind of the villain of this movie. Um, she is a, she's very similar to Woody in that she's a pull-string doll, where I haven't even mentioned this about Woody yet, but he has all these iconic sayings that he says when you pull the string on his back, like, there's a snake in my boot, they've poisoned the water hole, you're my favorite deputy. And so Gabby Gabby's the same way. She has a pull-string on her back, Um, She, in fact, thinks that she and Woody might have been made in the same factory back in the early 60s. Um, But her voice box is broken. Her record is intact, but her voice box doesn't work. She thinks, oh, you probably have a similar voice box. I wonder if we can make an exchange. And she has all these... um, Jeff, do we have that? So there's Gabby Gabby. Can we go to the next one? So she has these terrifying... (laughs) like minions that they're like these ventriloquist puppets. They're absolutely terrifying. Um, and so it's kind of a, it's this like chase around the antique shop. Now she's trying to like go full repo on Woody's voice box. Um, so Woody escapes the antique store. Forky is left behind, is in the possession of Gabby Gabby. And now it's about, okay, we've got to get back into the antique store, get Forky and get back to the thing. Um, But then he encounters Bo Peep, and he discovers, oh, Bo Peep's been doing all this awesome stuff as a lost toy. She has already escaped. The antique store doesn't like Gabby Gabby, knows Gabby Gabby's not good news. Um, And so they're trying to figure out how they can get back in, get Forky, and get out. While Forky is in possession of Gabby Gabby, we learn a little bit about her, that she... um, She's like a tea time toy for little girls. She comes with a book that teaches girls about tea time, and then it just shows you all the different ways you can play tea time with Gabby Gabby. And Gabby Gabby is so dead set, like my, my worth and my value and my purpose is all wrapped up in this. And so she has almost had a kid for a very long time. The, the owner of the antique store has a granddaughter that comes into play every day, and Gabby Gabby sees from afar like, that girl is the exact kind of girl, because she sits there and plays with the tea set and does all this stuff, but hasn't ever played with Gabby Gabby, because Gabby Gabby doesn't want to get played with while her voice box is messed up. She needs her voice box to be fixed so that uh, Melody, the little girl, will play with her. And so that's why she needs Woody's voice box. It's all of a sudden a very sympathetic thing. Like She wants, she understands what her purpose is. She's a little twisted on it, but she understands, like, she's a toy, she exists to be played with by a kid. She gets it, but n- not really. And so Woody just has all this stuff. He's still so hung up on Andy, even though he's been with Bonnie for all this time now. Um, he has a little Freudian slip talking to Forky where he accidentally calls Bonnie Andy. Um, and so has a fight with Bo Peep has a weird interaction with Buzz. Buzz is kind of in the background, try, like understands something's up with Woody. Um, and so Buzz is in the background trying to make sense of everything that's kind of going on. Woody talks about his inner voice that kind of guides him and Buzz gets confused because he also has phrases that you say when you push buttons on him. And so he starts pushing his buttons, listening to the phrases, trying to like, okay, obviously if the inner voice is what guides me, he's trying to listen. And Woody obviously means it figuratively. Um, <laughs> But would, by, the, by midway through the movie, Woody's pretty disappointed. Um, 
he, he finally just surrenders to Gabby Gabby. He knows that if he gives Gabby Gabby his voice box, he'll, he can take Forky and they can go. And so that's what he does. Um, there's a weird surgery scene that is not at all satisfying, like the refurbishing scene in the second one. The marionette, like the ventriloquist puppets, like know how to sew, I guess. And so they take the voice box out, they make the swap. Gabby Gabby works perfectly. She pulls her pull string, all of her catchphrases work, and like, okay, this is her moment. And so Forky stays back just because he wants to see, because he's kind of developed a relationship with Gabby Gabby. Um, And so Melody comes into the antique store. Gabby Gabby has perched herself perfectly in position to be played with. The book is there because there's an instruction book and everything. Like, it's, it's all set up, it's all ready, and it's about to happen for her. Melody comes in, picks Gabby Gabby up. Her grandmother says, oh, that's been here a while. You can just take that if you want it. And there's this real poignant moment where we're like, oh, it's all about to happen. And she says, nah. Tosses her in the box and goes, and it's very emotional because you can see on this doll's face, like, her world is completely shattered. The thing that she has waited her entire life for up to this point is not gonna happen. She, she gets it. She understands what her purpose is. But she has become so dead set on it happening a certain way in her head that when it doesn't happen that way, all bets are off. She, had a, she almost had a kid for a long time and she became scheming, obsessive, and eventually sold out to the wrong truth that she won't have value or purpose until the antique store owner's granddaughter accepts her. And so Woody is quick thinking. He finally says, okay, this, this did not work out. You're absolutely right. Come with me. And the thing with Woody is that he extends that invitation at the end of all three sequels. He gives it to Stinky Pete. And Stinky Pete says, no, I would rather be, you know, enjoy it on a shelf for the rest of time than be anybody's second or third or fourth fiddle. He gives it to Lotso, and Lotso says, no, I'm, I know that I'm just eventually going to get thrown away. It's not worth it. With, and so the difference here is that Woody finally has somebody who gets it. He says, you come with us. Bonnie is going to love you. And she accepts. She says, okay, this, like, I can do that. And on their way out, I might get emotional here, sorry. On their way out of the antique store, they stop back through the, uh, the carnival because that's kind of the meeting point for everyone. And so they're trying to get to the carnival. The toys are having to finagle all this stuff to get the RV back to the carnival because they're like, okay, we can't wait for Forky and Woody. The parents are like, yeah, we looked everywhere. It's not here. We've got we to keep moving. And so they're trying to get the RV back there. And on their way through the carnival, the group, you've got Woody, Buzz, uh, Gabby Gabby, Bo Peep. They pick up these two stuffed animals voiced by Keen Peel. Hilarious. They... They come across a little girl who's lost, can't find her parents, which is terrifying. Like, I watch it, and I think, like, if I were a parent and I lost my kid at a carnival, I would absolutely come apart. And so this little girl is lost, really scared, and Gabby, Gabby kind of has this, this moment where, like, that's my kid. Like, that's, I'm her toy. And then they kind of, okay, and they set it up for her to be discovered by this little girl, and the little girl finds her and pulls the the string and she says I'm Gabby Gabby will you be my friend or something like that and like that little girl is galvanized by Gabby Gabby and she takes Gabby Gabby and goes and finds her parents and like 
Woody and Bo Peep, and they all see this go down, and Woody and Bo Peep have had very big disagreements on, on how to be a toy. Woody insists that you are a toy for a kid. Bo Peep insists that that's okay, but eventually, like, your, your purpose is just to be there to be played with. Like, playtime is our ultimate purpose. And they, they disagree on that really heavily. And this moment where, like, yeah, that wasn't supposed to be, supposed to be Gabby Gabby's kid. Gabby Gabby's kid was supposed to be the antique store own, owner's granddaughter. But they have set this up to where now that toy gets to feel purpose because of this situation. And so even though Woody and Bo Peep don't agree, they, they both agree that, that what just happened was good. And they get to the carousel. They're, about, they're jumping on the awning for the RV to get, get back into the RV. And Buzz just has this pull, or Woody has this pull where it's like, and it, you can tell that he's, he's grown. It's very different because it's not just anxiety about not being the favorite toy and not being useful. There's something very specific about understanding that his purpose has changed and his purpose has evolved. Again, don't read too far into what I'm saying. This is not. And so he and Buzz kind of say their goodbyes and Woody goes to be a lost toy with Bo Peep. And um, Duke Kaboom, the Canadian knockoff version of Evil Knievel, um, those two stuffed animals. And he kind of does the lost the lost toy thing with them. And we see in the post credit scene, there's a lot of little post credit clips where now they're traveling with this carnival and they're rigging all the carnival games so that the toys get one and every toy is going home with these kids. And so even though he, he, he understands that like, oh, he's not Andy's toy anymore. He hasn't been Andy's toy for a long time. He's not even Bonnie's toy anymore. He's nobody's toy, but he is a toy, and he understands what that means. And so the, his purpose now is to help other toys discover what he has discovered. And it's a... Um, the, my only other scripture, I know it's weird that I've only used one scripture passage. I'm preaching more out of Toy Story than I am the Bible. Uh, but if you'll go with me to Philippians 3.15... right after Ephesians if you're in your analog Bible. Um, let's, let's back up one verse, actually. Let's go to 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And so Woody isn't hung up on the details anymore. Woody has matured to the point where he understands that my, my purpose is still, the truth is still the truth. Uh, Jeff, if we can go to the like, the, um, that last one. The first slide said all of Woody's conflicts start to resolve when he recenters himself around the central truth that he believes to be true. And there are decisions that he makes based on that fact. So in Toy Story 1, he has to decide that it's not about him because he's hung up on not being the favorite. He's hung up on Buzz not thinking he's a toy. And he, 
he has to decide in that moment where Buzz's arm has broken off and he's so upset about being a toy that it's not about him. It's not, oh, this is my chance. He's broken. I can get back to Andy by myself or we can both get back to Andy and he won't be as, he won't be as shiny. I'll be cooler. He has to decide that it's not about him and that the central truth that he lives his life by is truth. And he has to, he has to live like it's true, even when it may not benefit him. And then in Toy Story 2, you have to decide that that central truth matters even when more attractive options are available. Woody could have gone to that museum and been appreciated. I've, I am an appreciator of things, um, especially like movies, animation. I wanted to make movies when I was a kid, and so the process of making movies, I really appreciate. I'll watch this, the behind-the-scenes um, the six-hour Lord of the Rings behind-the-scenes stuff I've seen so many times. I know that Viggo Mortensen broke his toe kicking the helmet. Um, I like to appreciate things. I understand the value that things hold. And so if I were Woody in that situation, I might choose to be appreciated for what I actually am. I'm not Andy's toy. I was the main character of a very, very successful children's show in the 1960s. But he has to decide that that central truth matters. That, no, I am a toy. First, I was a toy before I was a collector's item. I became a collector's item after I was a toy. But I am a toy, and that is the thing that matters to me. In Toy Story 3, you have to decide that the central truth is still true when it doesn't look like what you're used to. Andy's not their kid anymore. Andy's probably never going to be their kid again. It might be his kids. It ends up being Bonnie. It might be that daycare. But at some point, he has to come to terms with the fact that by the end of this, it's not going to look like what it used to look like to me. Is the truth still true when it doesn't look the same? In Toy Story 4, he has to decide that he's okay with following where that central truth leads him, even when it's away from your comfort zone. So he has to decide to be a lost toy and understand that he can still carry out his own purpose and help other toys carry out discover their purpose even if he's not a toy that's there for his child anymore. He's had to, he's had to grow. He's had to understand that this isn't always going to be what I want it to be. By the time Toy Story 4 is over, he is so far away from the Woody at the beginning of Toy Story 1 that was running playtime, that was running the bedroom, that knew, knew who he was, where he stood. Toy St- Woody at the end of Toy Story 4 is a lot less sure of himself than Woody in Toy Story 1. And I, I don't want to be a downer, but this might be as easy as it ever is again. We have to decide that this truth that we just talked about in Ephesians, I'm going to read it one more time for us. When the politics don't look right, when the culture doesn't look right, when Target does something else that makes everybody upset, what is the truth? And how do we live with that truth when everything doesn't look right? I'm going to read it one more time. Oh, I went to Ephesians 3, not Ephesians 1, 3. My bad. Now I got to get Bible app to, to behave. Wish y'all had a real pastor. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Okay, here we go. Ephesians 1, start in verse 3. Let's read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I just want to point out the holy and blameless part isn't the emphasis there. It is the before him that is the emphasis there, that we are holy and blameless before him. So the point is that we are before him, not we are holy and blameless because of Jesus, and now we are before him as well. Sorry, that was free. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Is that, is that a central truth that is worth making all of our decisions by? Can you read that as truth and say, it's not about me. It's not about what the other options are. It's not about it looking like the way I'm used to it looking. And it's not about me being comfortable. Right? So um, we're about to, we're going to wrap up. We've got one more song that we're going to do. And we introduced it a few weeks back. uh, And it's called Fountains. And the... The chorus says that I have tasted life and nothing satisfies like you do. But the bridge says, all my fountains are in you. All my hope is built on your love. All my fountains are in you. With every breath I live for you, Lord. Woody lived his life and made his decisions like all his fountains were in one place. And he's not always perfect. He has a hard time adjusting to buzz. He has a hard time turning down the opportunity to be special. Thank you. He has a really hard time letting go of Andy and rediscovering his purpose. And so it's not going to look perfect. And if you ride with me, I have to commute to Oklahoma City every morning for work. And if you rode in the car with me tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning when I go to work, you may say, you just preached on Sunday? I, it's not, it's not going to be perfect, but I still have trouble getting off the turnpike. (laughs) But the central truth that I live my life by is that I am made for relationship with God through Jesus. And I can, the other stuff is going to get worked out in me. I believe that because the central truth I live my life by is that I'm created for relationship with Jesus, with God through Jesus And everyone is created for relationship with God through Jesus. And if I can live like I'm supposed to be that and understand that that's for everybody, like Woody at the end of Toy Story 4, it's for everybody. So as as we move back into this time of worship, where are our fountains? Our fountains can't be in the politics looking right. Our fountains can't be in the culture looking right. Our fountains can't be in our job or our last name or what makes us special or the value that we bring. 
All of our fountains have to be in the fact that we are created for a relationship with God through Jesus and then everything that that means. I'm done. Yeah. Thank you, Logan. Thank you. Uh, I didn't realize that my use of Toy Story a year or so ago was so shallow. Because it was about Andy's, God's name being written. Our name on, being written. God's, whatever. Um, I am the worst pastor ever, though, because I forgot about the offering. So, um, you know all the different ways to give. You can give in the buckets up here at, uh, during this last song or whatever on the way out in the green boxes. Um, but, so as we stand and worship together, um, this song references that our source is God himself. Kind of like we did the last time, um, we want to invite the kids to come up. If you'd like to come up and sing with us up here, we just want to continue in worship for this last time. So Claire, Olivia, Mila, Bryce, Brody, Kinley, whoever wants to come join us, you're welcome to come join us to worship as we finish out together and just praising the Lord.
said about Woody and Buzz and stuff so I've actually done what Woody did in the first movie like in the first movie Woody believed in the central truth that kids should be like his purpose was to to love kids I've done that in church and the way I did it was like as long as I was like playing my guitar and leading the worship it was all good. I was, I loved God. If I could lead worship, play the guitar, 
define it my way. It's how I wanted to serve. And then as you, you get a little bit further, you're like, ooh, I think I actually just love attention, possibly. You think that could happen? So I'm, I'm real, like, practical. Like, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, that was amazing message. What do we do with it now? If you were here for Pastor Lee, he's like, you can hear amazing messages, but what are you going to change, right? right? right. What are you going to do now? I'm not going to walk. I'm going to stay. But the central truth, Logan kept putting central truth up there, which he was, just, he was linking back to relationship with Christ, in Christ, right? Yeah. But we also know that God is love. Is that right? Do y'all, it's been a while since I asked some of you this, but do you remember how we defined love? Right, but what's the definition of love? So that's what, that's what we're trying to teach your kids, okay? If you're wondering what we're teaching your kids back there, love is making choices for the good of others, even when you don't feel like it. That's good. I wonder if there's an opportunity on Saturday or Friday to make choices for the good of others when you don't feel like it. And I wonder if we're going to raise a bunch of kids who hear one thing and see another thing if we're not careful. So this isn't about guilt. This isn't about shame. This is about actually doing what you say, what we say as a body, we believe. And you might have obligations this weekend that are completely understandable, okay? No, no big deal. I'm not, this isn't about earning anything. You don't earn special points with God by showing up, but you actually do align your choices with what you say you believe if we show up. And also, just in case any of y'all were wondering, your kids are welcome if they're of course like Rhett is not going to probably be helpful at God in people's pantry but that's for sure but probably once you're about six or seven um, they have helped people load up groceries and what they're doing is actually putting legs into what they're being taught but what I would suggest is that's our job to show them. They're not expected to be mature enough to know that. They're expected to follow as we lead. I got asked by someone recently, like, how do I, ser- well, how do I know where to serve? And I said, where you're willing. Where there's a need and where you're willing. So that could be God in people's pantry. That could be, oh, we don't have enough nursery workers. Oh, I don't really like babies. Okay, Woody. Okay, Woody. But the babies need you. Because people keep need, need. Because people keep having them, which is healthy. Good job. Good, good job, married folks. Um, but it's where there's a need, right? So we make choices for the good of others. And Andy, uh, Woody had to learn that. And Buzz had to learn that. And all those central characters had to learn, well, what if I don't feel like loving people that way? It's not about what you feel. It's about the central truth. And, and there is so much goodness when we do that. So much goodness. It's the only place that life is found, but the problem is we get drugged away by the, the allure and the attractiveness of the other things. So 
I just wanted to connect that dot. Sorry for the guilt trip. It's not a guilt trip. It's just, it's just, this is the practicality. This is where the gospel meets real life. And if we don't do something, we will just teach intellectual theories to children who will go to college, get all the intellectual theories shot down, never have lived in the goodness of what it feels like to actually give people something at people at God and people's pantry. They never got to see what it's like to, to better to give than to receive. They never got to see it because we didn't model it. And then they just get their intellectual theory shot down and then there goes deconstruction in a whole nother generation. They have to love it. They have to feel it. They have to see it. Y'all have to Y'all have to be there with us as you see the joy on people's faces who get things that need things. And then you'll see, and then you'll taste it. Then you will, like the song said, I have tasted life. Then you'll taste it. Okay? All right. So let's pray together. Let's close our eyes and pray together as we go. God, take this message that Logan, you, you gave Logan this message. Holy Spirit, you put this in him for this house for such a time as this we believe that and you put this thought in my head to come up here now so this is your word to us this is not Brent Newcomb's word not Logan's word this is Holy Spirit your word to Victory Life Chandler not some other church in town not to the this is our word this today is our word we receive it Holy Spirit, convict us where needed. Encourage us where needed. Bless us where we're making the right choices, the choices that lead to life. And convict us where we need to be convicted because we got off the path. And thank you that it's not up to us earning anything. Thank you that we're not a church that believes that we are on our way to heaven by going to God on people's pantry. That is not how we get to heaven. That is how we bring heaven to earth. Thank you for love. Thank you that the central truth is love. Thank you that you made this so easy that I can teach it to six to 11 year olds. Because if we can just love others as you've loved us, we got it. Help us in all the ways that, that, that we don't do that. And, and as you said in your teaching to us of prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. Because we know that we're not doing it quite right, as Logan mentioned in his driving. But thank you that you forgive us as we forgive others. Thank you that you're full of grace, full of mercy. Every day your mercies are new. Every single day your mercies are new. Thank you for that. We celebrate you. We worship you. We praise you because you are so, so worthy. Go with us as we go from here. Bless the word. Bring about the increase that only you can do. Thank you for these kids. Thank you for what you're doing in our house. We love you. Amen.